Well, like I said in my prayer, I want to begin to share, and I'm going to be sharing this entire month on the weekend services on the God who heals, the God who heals. And many of you have met this God, and that's awesome. Others have not met the God who heals, and I believe that we're going to have encounters with that God, and there will be signs and wonders and just wonderful things happen as our faith begins to build, as we unite in our, our faith toward the God who heals. And so not only is it important for, for you to understand this, but there are people in your, your orbit, in your sphere of influence that need a touch from God. And you need to have that confidence of God's will to heal. I'm on my personal journey of healing over my, my heart issues. And I look forward to sharing my testimony on how the Lord has touched me and ministered to me. And so I'm in the middle of a part of that journey, even as I speak. So I don't know about you, but I'm glad I came. Hallelujah. I, I, need, <laughs> I need to hear this. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And just because you believe in healing doesn't mean you won't face needs in your life to be healed. One of the things that just blows people away when I get to minister to them one-on-one -on -one is, well, I believe in healing. Why, why am I struggling with this sickness or disease? Or others I've known have believed in healing and, and didn't get healed. How, how many of you know that we believe we've been made righteous? That doesn't mean we never sin. It doesn't mean we never fall. It doesn't mean we never fail. It means that God on his end has declared you righteous. And whether you fail, fall, stumble, or get knocked off of a stage, God has called you righteous and you don't lose your righteousness just because you experienced a sin or a short, a short falling or, or shortfall or whatever in your, in your life. Just because you believe even in healing doesn't mean you won't be tempted with sickness. And we all have to learn to fight against sickness just like we have to fight against sin. And you won't fight a good fight if you don't believe God wills to heal you. If you aren't 100% convinced of God's will to heal, you'll get shook in a trial. You'll get shook in, in having to stand and go through a journey of healing. So it's important that we, we settle these things. Also, hopefully, we'll be answering a lot of questions to our online community, to our partners at DSM. If you would just send us questions, I would love to go over those, and I'll try to, try to weave them into the messages, because I want to answer a lot of questions, hopefully, for people as we go through this. Well, let me just give an introduction. That was my introduction to the introduction. That's why this is going to take a month, amen? My introduction, and in my introduction, before I get into the atonement and God's longing to heal us, God's will to heal, God's desire to heal, I, I want to share some things on why do I know that I know that I know God wills to heal and that he wills to heal us all. I've been through some things again in my own personal walk. I went, I went nearly 40 years in divine health. And then most of you know what happened to me. And I died. Now, that wasn't a good idea, but <laughs> I don't recommend this. But in that dying and coming out of my body and meeting the Lord, man, it just, it just 
settled some things in me that I've always believed. I know it's in the Bible, but when you get the opportunity to meet Jesus face to face, and there's that, there's that him speaking to you, and it's volumes of truth just in one phrase. It just settles you on things, no matter what you go through. I also saw the need to be in my body. A lot of people don't know why God so longs to heal us and for us to walk in some type of, of divine health. As long as we're in this body, that's what gives us authority in this earth to witness to people, to lead people to Jesus, to share the God of such great love and care and eternity that is nothing but good for all of us and things of that nature. Once you come out of your body, you have no more authority in the earth. And I got to experience that. And the reason I came back was I had asked the Lord, am I done? And the Lord said, no, you're not done. And so I came back. Now, I thought I had a free will. I thought it was my choice. Once I got back into my body, I found out Sue was commanding me to come back. So I guess I didn't have a choice. You just don't mess with Sue, amen? I mean, I don't recommend dying around Sue if you don't want to come back, okay? So I learned so much experientially in that, in that event. So why do I know that I know that God wills to heal? Not because I've never been sick. Not because when I've gotten sick, I got instantly healed. I don't know that I know that God wills to heal because everybody I've prayed for has gotten healed. I don't know that I know that God wills to heal by any circumstances whatsoever. I really believe, and maybe I'm stretching it, but I believe I would believe God wills to heal if I never personally ever got healed myself. I believe if I did drop dead, first of all, if I drop dead here right now, don't mourn. I'm with Jesus, hallelujah, and I'll be dancing with Jesus, and I'll probably have to come back since Sue's here. The bottom, <laughs> the, bottom, the, the bottom line is a lot of people try to discern God's will by personal experience. They try to discern God's will by other people's experiences. And I know that I know that God wills to heal. Let me give you five quick things, and then we'll get into the message. I know it's God's will to heal because it's his nature. He just can't help it. He can't help himself. When we encounter God in a manifested form, our bodies respond. Our hearts respond. You cannot be indifferent. Your body cannot be indifferent in the presence of God. That's why everywhere Jesus went, two things happened. Either revival broke out or a riot. There is no indifference when Jesus shows up. And our bodies are no different. Our bodies will either collapse in the presence of God, just under the awesomeness of God's presence, or something literally chemically happens in our brain and in our cells and in our blood in the manifested presence of God because it's his nature. He doesn't have to will to heal you. He is your healing. And when he shows up and we agree together in that manifested form, our bodies begin to respond. Jesus came and showed us God's nature in John 1.14. The word was made flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld his glory. The glory of the only begotten son of God. 
And it says he was full of grace and truth. Jesus came to show us God's nature. And when you look at Jesus in scripture, and I'm telling you, he's the same Jesus in heaven that we read in, in, in the Bible. Everywhere he went, he healed people. He just healed people. He just healed people. He never made anybody sick. He never turned anybody down. The closest you can get to him turning someone down is the Seraphonician woman, a Greek, and even her, because of her steadfast faith, Jesus was called to the Jew first and then to the Gentile, yet that woman would not let go and got her daughter healed. Jesus just healed everywhere he went. Hebrews 1, 3 says he's the brightness of God's glory and the express image of his person. So when you look at Jesus, you never see him making anybody sick. You don't see him killing anybody's kids. You just see him anointed with the Holy Ghost and everywhere and power and everywhere he went, he just healed people. He just healed people. Two thirds of the man's ministry in his earthly walk was healing people. So that's why I know God wills to heal is Colossians 1.15 says Jesus is the image of the invisible God. I know this invisible God that we can't see is clearly seen in Jesus Christ, the son of God. And man, it was his nature just to heal. And we'll look at a lot of those scriptures. Number two, reason I know that I know God heals. And, and this is different than what many of us have been taught. I know God wills to heal because of his love for you. I actually heard a message years ago. And the particular setting I was in, they didn't believe in God's will to heal today. And they were trying to explain away all the healings of Jesus. And so they said that Jesus healed to prove he was the son of God. That Jesus healed to prove he was the son of God. Now, first of all, that's an impure motive. Jesus had no impure motives. Jesus didn't heal people to prove to other people, I am the son of God. Even though his healings did prove he was from God and the son of God. This is a novel idea. Jesus loved people. The reason I know God wants you healed and your family's healed, and your friends healed, is he truly loves people. I gave you some references in the notes. Constantly it says he was moved, not with ego to prove who he was. He was moved with compassion and healed all the sick. So why do I know God wills to heal? Because he loves you. He wants you healed because he loves you. Look, listen, we're mortals. Can I get a witness on that? I mean, at our best motives and our best purity of heart, we don't even end up in God's class. And yet, how many of you, if you could, would heal a loved one? You know you would, and you do it out of love. And God has already done it at the cross in Jesus because he loves you so much. And we simply need to learn how to access that love and that healing that's already been bought and paid for. What I'm trying to say is God's not holding out on any of us. He loves us. And I'm telling you, he heals out of his love. Healing flows out of his love. Number three, I know God wills to heal because it's his name. It's his very name. And his name reveals his character. Exodus chapter 15, verse 26 God says, I'm not going to put, if you'll do what I tell you to do, obey my commandments, I'm not going to put these diseases that I have put on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord that heals you. Lord there, capital L-O-R-D, is Jehovah, heals is Rapha. 
I am Jehovah Rapha. It's who I am. It's my name. And God's name is holy. That's why I know healing is holy. Healing is a holy touch of the presence of the presence of God. I know he wills to heal because it's his very name. And he reveals himself in his name. Number four, it's God's mercy. God is merciful, saints. You can see as he walked the earth, people would cry out, Son of David, have mercy on me. Grace is when we get what we don't deserve. Mercy is when you don't get what you do deserve. None of us deserve to be healed, and we've got to overcome that hurdle. I'll deal with some of that now and down the road. A lot of good people... I know there are people watching me through the live stream that when you have a, a sickness or a diagnosis from a doctor that's devastating and you don't get healed right away, you struggle with condemnation. You struggle with a lot of guilt with what's wrong with me and, and a sense of unworthiness. And we have to get past all of that, realizing the same God of mercy that Jesus manifested is the God we're talking about in this meeting. So I know he heals out of his mercy. And then number five, God's word. Psalms 107 verse 20. He sent his word and healed them and delivered them from all their destructions. All right, let's talk about then the atonement. We took communion during worship and before we ministered. And I may, I may minister. I don't want to make any promises because I'm really seeking God on which direction to go. But I've been meditating a lot on the Passover meal and how Jesus is our Passover meal. And how that there was healing in that Passover meal. There is healing in the atonement. It's not so much if God will or will not heal us. God has provided healing at the same cross that he provided the forgiveness of all of our sins. And a lot of people don't know this. A lot of religious people don't know this. A lot of groups evidently still don't know this. That Jesus has paid for my sins and all my sicknesses. Now, I access that by faith, childlike faith. Let's go to Isaiah 53 and quickly look at this. Because I've experienced this first verse, even recently. And sometime in your life, you may experience this first verse. Look at Isaiah 53, 1. Who has believed our report? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? How many of you know the arm of the Lord is the arm of power? Hallelujah. Amen. To whom is the arm of the Lord, the power of God, been revealed. Who has believed our report? If you live long enough on this earth, you're going to hear a negative report in regards to your health. I've heard in the past three years a few negative reports, and a, a few of them haven't made me happy. And at the time they said the report, I tried my best to hide my anger at that report. <laughs> that I don't believe that report. I'm not denying I had a heart attack. I'm not denying I had inferior veins and that they were so stinking tiny. Anyway, thank you, mother. That a 20% clog in my vein is a 90% clog in yours. 
and all five collapsed. You get a bad report. And then coming out of that, God raises you from the dead. God heals you miraculously. And then you hit a few snags. And you get an evil report. You get a negative report. Again, the world can't understand when you're living and walking by faith. I'm not denying any reports. I just don't accept them. I believe God's report. And I'm going to stand on God's report. And you have to learn to do that, dear ones. Because you're going to get some bad reports. Well, that's a negative confession. No, I'm a pastor. We tell the truth. Sorry, that'll hit the rest of you later. <laughs> Isaiah's saying, who hath believed our report? In other words, God will have a report. The world will have another report. And you have to make a choice on whose report are you going to believe. Amen. For he, this is talking about Jesus, shall grow up before him as a tender plant and as a root out of the dry ground. He has no form or comeliness. And when, he, when we see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. He is despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised, and we did not esteem him. Surely he has borne our griefs, carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And by his stripes, we are healed. Now, a lot of different interpretations come out of this. And to this day, I don't understand why we would have private interpretations of what Isaiah is saying when Matthew, in chapter 8, said what Jesus was doing in chapter 8 was the fulfillment of Isaiah here, 53. And I'm here to tell you that Isaiah 53 covers the whole of man. This is something that I don't get why within some Christian circles we have to pick or choose whether we believe this is talking about our salvation of our spirit and the forgiveness of our sins or the healing of our bodies. Why can't we read it in context, go to Matthew chapter 8 where he says it was fulfilled and keep that in context and see that this includes spirit, soul, and body. That God loves you and he loves all of you. He doesn't just love your spirit and God didn't just save us to go to heaven. Now, I know going to heaven is more important than anything else. And if I do have to pick priority, believing in the forgiveness of my sins versus believing in other things at the exclusion of the forgiveness of my sins, that would be foolish. But why can't I believe that God loves me? That he loves my spirit, yes, and it's born again. United to him. But what about my mind? What about my emotions? What about my body? To me, this is so simple. If you just believed that your body, according to the scriptures, is the temple of the Holy Spirit, why wouldn't God heal his own temple? 
Why would God let his own temple just fall apart? And I know we're decaying. I get it. We're dying. I get it. If the Lord tarries, we're all going to die. But dear God, some of you look like you need a coat of paint. (laughs) Yeah, help me, Lord. (laughs) I probably overstepped right there, but I'm just saying. that Yes, while my outer man is perishing, My inner man is being renewed day by day. And Romans chapter 8 says the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead does quicken these mortal bodies. Do you realize Jesus cleansed the temple at the beginning of his earthly ministry? And then he cleansed the temple at the end of his earthly ministry. He cleansed the temple twice. Amen. Aren't you glad that God didn't just touch us one time and even heal us and that's it? But that he'll visit his temple as many times as it needs to be cleansed of sin or disease. Or disease. You know, I've got so many things coming to me right now. And I need to stay focused to get this done right, I think. But let me just say to the committed, let me just say to those that are online... One of the things that bothered me the most about COVID-19, and there were Five major things that infuriated me. The top of the list was the fear-mongering and the church being so susceptible to fear and fear just gripping people. Instead of us knowing how to walk by faith, how to live by faith. I'm not saying we needed to be foolish and there were a lot of things we had to help people walk through and that we need to be wise. But this fear is literally destroying this nation. It has crippled us, saints. And the things on the horizon, this has been a dress rehearsal. There are things coming that are going to be worse and fear will be used to manipulate the masses. And we've got to get founded in the word of God. And God has to be our rock. God has to be our fortress. He has to be our high tower that we run into. And that we will not fear. Will we be wise and cautious and safe and and even take precautions in the middle of a pandemic? Of course. But not fear. Not fear. And all it did was show me how immature we still are. How far we are. And unprepared we are for what scandals are on the horizon. The political fallout of all of this. And those that are corrupt. Don't think for one minute they're not going to leverage this kind of stuff until we say no. Until we say no, we will not be manipulated. And we should be different as Christians. I'm not saying... See, it just takes a half hour to explain what I'm not saying. Instead of just listening to what I am saying, God is with us. God is for us. God is among us. We are his temple. And he will be faithful to his temple to cleanse it. And when God cleanses his temple, he's not just cleansing it from sin. He's cleansing it from anything that violates his holiness. Amen. So let's go now to Matthew and see what Matthew said Isaiah meant. Matthew, praise the Lord. 
Matthew chapter 8. I'm going to do something a little different. I need to hurry, but I need to be a little different about this. I'm going to read verses 16 and 17. Then we're going to go backwards and come back to 16 and 17. Because you just need to see this. And what Matthew, Matthew chapter, what did I say? Well, that's what I meant. Eight, verse 16. I went to chapter 16. All right, look at verse 16. When evening had come, they brought to him many who were demon-possessed, and he cast out the spirits with a word and healed all. Everybody say all. all. And healed all who were sick. Now, why did he do that? To prove he was the Son of God. Uh, on and on it goes with all the traditions. Read it. It's simple. That it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying he himself took our infirmities and bore our sicknesses. So an apostle said that Isaiah and what he said about his stripes and we being healed by his stripes, an apostle of Jesus said that the fulfillment of that was when Jesus was healing the sick and casting out devils. So there's no room for private interpretation of that. We may have different experiences. We may struggle with things, but we don't need to struggle with an apostle. And he said, Jesus casting out devils and healing the sick and all that were sick was the fulfillment of what Isaiah said. Now let's go back and see, was it just spiritual? Was it just forgiveness of sins. Look at verse 1. Verse 1. When he had come down from the mountain, great multitudes followed him. And behold, a leper came and worshipped him, saying, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me whole. Then Jesus said, well, I just don't know. Sometimes it's not my will. I need to pray about this for four or five days. I got to check in with Father. I don't do anything till I hear him say it or see him do it. And leprosy, that's, that's like COVID-19. This, I need to be six foot of you. I love you. I'll probably get, we're live streaming. I just got off a, off a probation with YouTube and here I go. I love you. But do you think for one minute a virus stops at six foot and just says, oh, bless me. I can't jump this fence. It's a virus. Let's read it again. <laughs> Lord, if you're willing, you can make me clean. Then Jesus put out his hand and touched him. Touched a man with leprosy. You don't touch a leper. It is highly contagious. And he put forth his hand and touched him, saying, at the same time, while he's touching him, look at this. 
I will be cleansed. He didn't pray about it. Why? It's God's will to heal. It's God's nature. It's God's name. It's God's love. It's God's word. I'm willing. Be thou, be thou cleansed. What we have to decide, even though entire denominations have taken leprosy and turned it into a type of sin, which leprosy can be symbolic of sin and how sin works and how deadly sin is and how sin destroys us. Leprosy was leprosy. It was physical and Jesus healed the man of leprosy. So there's the first healing and it was physical. Immediately, his leprosy was cleansed. And Jesus said to him, see that you tell no one, but go your way. And I think I skipped all of that for time. Go down to verse 5. Now, when Jesus had entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him, pleading with him, saying, Lord, my servant is lying at home paralyzed. Everybody say paralyzed. Paralegic, paralyzed is physical. He's deadly or dreadfully tormented. And Jesus said, let me think about it. Let me pray about it. Let me call the Father. No hesitation. Why is there no hesitation? It's God's will to heal. We may not all get healed, but that doesn't change God's will to heal. We may struggle with some type of sickness or disease, but that does not change God. This is where we waver, many of us who do believe God wills to heal is we think God's will is automatic. No, Matthew chapter 6, Jesus taught us we have to pray God's will be done in this earth as it is in heaven. Number one, that means God's will isn't being done in the earth as it is in heaven, and it won't be done unless we're praying. Now look at what Jesus said. And Jesus said, I will come and heal him. Didn't pray, didn't hesitate, didn't think about it, didn't, didn't make any qualifications. That's encouraging to me. Look at this. The centurion answered and said, Lord, I'm not worthy that you should come under my roof. But only speak a word and my servant will be healed. For I also am a man under authority, having soldiers unto me. I say to one, go, and he goes. To another, come, and he comes. And to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard that, he said, go get worthy and clean up your house, and I'll think about visiting Go remove all the ashtrays. Make sure there's absolutely no liquor in the fridge. And there better not be any cannabis on this property. I'm not going to say who I looked at over there. All of you relax. All of you. Just relax, Stan. Am I condoning cigarettes? Am I condoning your refrigerator full of alcohol? Am I condoning cannabis? No, I'm trying to make a point that God didn't say, get worthy and you'll get healed. Jesus, who was God made flesh, didn't even hesitate. He actually marveled at someone not worthy because he understood authority. When he's talking about these soldiers, I say to one, go, and he goes, why? I am an authority and they are under me. And if they disobey me, they've got all of Rome and Caesar coming down on them. I recognize you're not here on your own. 
You're under God, Jehovah God's authority. And if you say it, Jehovah God will back you up just like Caesar backs me up. Amen. And we've got to get to that place that regardless of how long it takes to see God's will manifest, we're not going to struggle with God's will. When Jesus heard it, he marveled and said to those who followed, Assuredly, I say unto you, I've not found such great faith. Do you realize you can have great faith and still be in a condition of unworthiness? People don't have great faith because they're super saints. People don't have great faith because they have no sin in their life or no faults in their life or no imperfections in their life. And again, I'm not, I'm not condoning unholiness in those statements. I'm simply saying, I've watched God use me. I've seen people dead, raised from the dead. I've seen miracles blow your mind. And, and I was struggling with things. It took me years to figure out God is healing these people, not because of me, but in spite of me. It shouldn't have took me years, but I've really struggled with it. I remember praying for a guy. For, he had warts all over his hands. I think I shared this Sunday, but he had warts all over his hands. And he stuck them out there. He had a, I had a healing line going, and I'm praying for people. And he stuck them out there and said, man, I believe God will take these away if you'll lay your hands on me. I laid my hands on him, closed my eyes. That's why we close our eyes. We're not being spiritual. We just don't want to look. So I closed my eyes, I prayed, right in front of my, I've never seen anything quite like this. I saw a girl healed in Mexico one time with an open wound that closed in front of my eyes. I've only seen that one time. I've prayed for a lot of other people with open wounds and it took time, but I prayed for that girl and it happened right in front of my eyes. I prayed for this guy and right in front of both of our eyes, he got so excited, those warts just disappeared. You know what? You know what I struggled? No, not yet, not yet. You know what I struggled with back at the uh, hotel? I was traveling. I had a ward on my hand. <laughs> Come on. You're not going to hear this kind of honesty out of most preachers. I guarantee you. I got this ward on my hand. So I go back to the hotel and I'm, I'm whining. What is, what is up with this? <laughs> Sorry. Sometimes I talk to God in a bad attitude. <laughs> What's up with this? How could this be? I've asked you. I think even Sue had prayed for me. For this to go away. Now it eventually did. But how could I have a wart. Lay hands on somebody with warts. And see with my own eyes. Them disappear. Because see it's the anointing. It's not me. It's the anointing of God. It's faith in God. It's God's love for people. God won't hold a blessing from you because of my imperfections. Just like when Moses struck the rock and water came out of it and fed and nourished all of Israel and their stock, livestock. The second time God said, speak to the rock. And he disobeyed God. He was angry, called Israel a bunch of rebels. And he struck the rock a second time. And for that disobedience and that anger and that offense, he couldn't enter the promised land. Yet water came out of the rock and took care of Israel. 
See, God loves people. We got to get this straight. God loves people. And if you'll just get enough courage and faith to pray for other people, even if you're struggling, you can see miracles in your life. It's God that heals them. See, listen, if I was healing people of warts and had one, I could not get her done. But if I'm not healing, and God has said, lay hands on the sick and they'll recover. I got the hands, but God has the recovery. I just lay hands on the sick and they recover. Man, there's just so much in me that I need, I'm not going to get to all of this. There's a scripture of Elisha who had a double portion of what Elijah had. And the Bible says that he got sick and died. A lot of people struggle with that. I may go there for the thousand of you that come back. I'm trying to change my confession, Sue. I'm... You know what's amazing about that story? Not only did he get sick and die, and all kinds of unbelief is taught out of that. He gets buried, and his bones are so anointed that a funeral passes by, and they're carrying a guy dead, and an enemy comes over the hills, and they panic, and they threw the dead guy in Elisha's sepulcher and took off running. And while they were running from an ensuing enemy, the dead guy was raised from the dead and he's running behind them. He's chasing them. How can you get sick and die and you're so anointed, your dried out bones raises somebody from the dead? This is supposed to show us it is God who heals. We just have to be obedient servants to God. And none of us are perfect. Where was I? I just got excited. What happened? Where am I at? I, I, I knew that. My phone's telling me that. All right, go to verse 13 for the sake of time. Then Jesus said... Then Jesus said to the centurion, go your way, and as you have believed, so let it be done for you. Now, a lot of people don't want to hear this, and when it's taught even, kind of run from it. Because they think you're blaming them when you say, look, if we're struggling with anything, it's not on God's end. God said, be it unto you according to how you have believed. And see, a lot of people find solace. Listen to me, I love you. This can hurt people's feelings. I've done this so many years, I know what's going to happen. But a lot of people find solace in blaming God. That there's a, there's a false form of comfort that you feel that, well, God did it. God willed it. It was God. You have that sense of absolving yourself from any responsibility in trusting God and walking out the provisions of God. Now, the, the other shoe that has to be dealt with is once you realize it's not God and it is on your end, you can't be condemned. You can't self-destruct now. And yet, people go one way or the other. Blame God, I feel better. Or, okay, 
There's something wrong. Either we don't understand, which is okay, because we don't understand everything, or there's something I need to change in my belief system and in my trusting of God. And I can just tell you right now, I would have been dead and gone had I not known how much God loves me and had I not known how to resist all guilt and condemnation. Because see, the world, the world can't understand what I'm saying anyway. They come against preachers like me, especially faith preachers or people that believe in healing. And, and if you get sick or you go through what I went through, oh man, they just mock you, call you all kinds of names. What a hypocrite going around preaching God wills to heal and he had a heart attack. Well, I'd rather be preaching God wills to heal and have a heart attack than preach God doesn't will to heal and have a heart attack. Don't have a heart attack. It's like one guy said, just just mocking me. My grandmother believed in healing and died. Well, don't die without believing God. We're all going to die. We're all in a fallen body. And I'll deal with some of this stuff in the natural even. That's just a part of humanity. We're in a fallen world filled with viruses and diseases and things on the horizon. Just let it go, Dwayne. That that we need to be shored up in our faith. Let's go on here. We'll start in verse 14. Now, when Jesus had come into Peter's house, he saw his wife's mother lying sick of a fever. So he touched her hand and the fever left her. Now, I'm sure Peter got over his offense of Jesus healing his mother-in-law. Oh, come on. I'm just worn down already. Hallelujah. So he heals his mother-in-law of a fever. She was so struck with a fever, she could not get up. And the reason I know that is he touched her, healed her of the fever, and she got up and served them. Now, a fever is not spiritual. A fever is physical. And she arose and served them. Look at verse 16 now. When evening had come, they brought to him many who were demon-possessed, and he cast out the spirit with a word and healed all who were sick that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying he himself took our infirmities and bare our sicknesses. You have to have help to miss that, and I'm not going to help you. God wills to heal us. Yeah, but what about? I'll deal with some of the whatabouts. But we're going to have questions in regards to healing and sickness until the end of this age. There are mysteries. We're just going to have to be honest. There are many mysteries associated with sickness, period. Amen. And this this is cool. There are mysteries still associated with healing. 
One of the reasons I'm excited about the, the next few months is, man, God's taught me so much, so much, but there's so much more to learn. That the more I share and the more I act on my faith, the more understanding I do get on what happened here. Go to 1 Peter, very familiar, but let's look at it quickly. Just for those who maybe don't know. Because a lot of people, I just heard someone minister on this recently and they said that was just spiritual. 1 Peter chapter 2. This is speaking of Jesus and how that he suffered for us. He patiently took suffering, being accused falsely. That hurts. Being rejected when you're sent to save him. He didn't commit any sin. There was no deceit in his mouth. Look at verse 23. Who when he was reviled did not revile in return. When he suffered he did not threaten but committed himself to him who judges righteously. Now, as you go through this world, that's a whole different topic of Christian suffering. Many times people get sickness and disease confused with Christian suffering. And so if you preach God wills to heal, a lot of people think you don't believe in suffering. They, again, go either or. And the truth is there's Christian suffering but God didn't call us to suffer sicknesses and disease, just like he didn't call us to suffer sin. He wants us to repent of our sin, not suffer the wages of sin. He wants us healed, not suffering the consequences of sin that brought sickness. Christian suffering is doing the right thing and falsely accused. Christian suffering is being canceled on all social media and called a liar and a and false information spreader. And that's Christian suffering. Christian suffering is when you suffer for doing the right thing. And that's a whole different teaching. And it does take time for a lot of Christians to work that out. But they get suffering from sickness or sin mixed up with Christian suffering. And so he says, he committed himself to him who judges righteously. And you're going to have to learn to commit yourself unto God who judges righteously. Because if you, if, if you live right in this culture, you're going to be persecuted. You're going to be mocked. You're going to be made fun of. You're going to be falsely accused. You're going to be called all kinds of names. Uh-oh, it's getting quiet. If you live, all they who live godly shall suffer persecution. One of the reasons some of you aren't suffering is you're not living godly. You won't stand up for your faith. You're afraid. You're afraid to speak out in the public square. And God's called us to invade the public square. Not silence us. It's just we're not willing to be rejected. We're not willing to be called a homophobe. We're not willing to be called racist. We're not willing to be called bigots. We're not willing... To be called intolerant. We're not willing to suffer the consequences of living for God, saying and doing the right thing. And if we don't say and do the right thing, we will suffer unnecessarily for our silence, saints. Amen. Then he says, after he committed himself unto God who judges righteously, who himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree... That we, having died to sins, might live for righteousness by whose stripes 
you were healed. I just heard somebody this week talk about how that's just talking about the forgiveness of our sins. And he even tried to use the context. The phraseology is the same exact phraseology out of Isaiah 53, where Isaiah said, by his stripes we are healed, looking forward to the cross. Peter said, by his stripes we were healed, looking back to the cross. Let me close with Psalms. Psalms 103. And we'll spring from here in our next session. Psalms 103, verse 2. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. How can we, this close to the return of our, of our Lord, not understand all the benefits of God? Yes, the primary benefit of God is the forgiveness of your sins. The primary benefit of God is being made righteous and truly holy and justified in his sight through the blood of Jesus. But that doesn't exclude other benefits. He goes, forget not all his benefits. Who forgives all your iniquities? Who heals all your diseases? Who redeems your life from destruction? Who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies? Who satisfies your mouth with good things so that your youth is renewed like eagles? Man, I'm believing for my youth to be renewed like an eagle. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. I'm like a good bottle of wine. I'm getting better with age. You're getting better with age. As God works in our lives, as we experience the Word of God, as we, as we obey when we're struggling and still see the goodness, the goodness of God. He has forgiven in the atonement all our iniquities. And we're still learning what that even means. But he's also healed us of all our diseases. I'm going to end with this. What God married the forgiveness of sins and the healing of sickness. He married those at the cross. And what God has joined together, let no man put asunder. Father, I thank you for these precious people. I thank you for the live stream and those that are able to participate. I pray first for them and their families, their friends, for them personally as they begin to connect with us. Help us to pray effectively. Help us to pray and it be a righteous man's prayer like Elijah who wasn't perfect, who had all kinds of flaws and weaknesses, but when he prayed for it not to rain, it didn't rain. And when he prayed for it to rain, it did rain. Thank you for the power of prayer. Thank you that you are the source of all forgiveness. You are the source of all healing. And Lord, as we assemble together, let our faith be strong. Let our faith be great. Let us pray one for another. And the anointing flow. And love be manifested. Your name be manifested. Your nature be manifested. Your word be manifested in our midst. I thank you in advance for all the good things that are going to be happening this month. And we covenant with you right now to give you the glory and all the praise in Jesus' name. 
Amen and amen. Praise God.